Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingston. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to the 100th episode. Recorded Conversations is celebrating 100 episodes, and I do it with none other than my ride or die, my forever, my personal Jesus, my husband, Corey Kingstrom. There's no need for introduction. So, without further ado... Okay, so I assume that you measure this with money and you're looking at it, how much money can I squeeze out of this as far as a crop, ethanol, corn? Yes. But you're telling me the question of sustainable farming and modern farming practices should be a question of energy. Yeah. Are we putting more? So the question is originally ethanol. If I put a gallon of ethanol into the system, can I get a gallon of ethanol back out of the system? And when I say ethanol, I mean energy. Because we put various types of energy into this crop. It takes energy to produce the fertilizer. It takes energy to transport all the raw materials that we put into the crop to the crop. It takes energy to plant the crop, harvest the crop. It takes energy to dry the crop and then how many more times do we transport that crop to get it to its final processors and so the question should be is are we putting more energy into the system than we are getting out of it in a corn soybean based system and as long as we have cheap energy prices nobody really needs to look at that because we farmers generally look at it from an economical standpoint is what can I produce the most cost effective? Yeah. And so we're essentially subsidizing corn production with cheap energy prices. But we don't have cheap energy prices right now. Um, I is actually on a world scale, we still do have cheap energy prices. If you look at energy prices, you know, gasoline natural gas in other countries compared to us, we're at like less than 50% of what these other countries are. Okay. So what I'm, if we get, if our energy prices get to where other countries are, then the question remains of, I think then we need to have a broader discussion 
about where we're getting energy from. Let's face it, when we produce corn and soybeans, we should be exponentially getting more energy out of the crop than we are putting into it because we're harvesting the sun energy through photosynthesis. And so we should be gaining a whole lot more energy than what we're putting into it. But I, and I don't know, have all the answers to this. I don't know if we put a gallon of ethanol in, if we're getting a gallon out, or maybe we're getting more than a gallon out. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. But I think those are the types of questions that need to be asked. On every level yeah. of every engagement of every activity in our life. That's what I thought. That's why I love your agricultural philosophy, my love. Because it made me think about, in general, in life, how much energy we put into something we don't consider if we're getting that energy back. That's true. And so I think I want to dive down into that philosophical rabbit hole. See, now, with people, I think it's a different... I mean, I, I get that reference, and yes, that is fair. But I think with people, it's a little bit different. Because, so let's, I'm going to go to my farmer analogy again. Okay. You and I are two corn plants. Okay. Okay. We're only two corn plants of the broader community. Mm-hmm. And so when you get into ecosystems, yes, one plant might exert more energy to a neighboring plant than what that neighboring plant gives back to me. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that that plant that I gave energy to doesn't give energy to a different plant. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think with human relationships, I don't think you can compare the energy that you and I give to one another. Mm -hmm. Yes, I might exert more energy to you, but you might exert more energy to the kids mm -hmm. or to one of your clients mm -hmm. or whomever. And so I don't, I, I just don't think it's as clear. Hmm. Well, I appreciate your contention actually. Because, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it. It's just an idea that popped into my head that resonated. Um, but, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate your contradiction to my initial position. But it, it just made me think about, you know, I mean, I've been really aware of energy lately and not matching energy and creating my own energy. But a lot of times... We put a lot of energy into other people, into other relationships, into, and I don't mean just like erotic, intimate relationships. I mean relationships with our jobs and with coworkers and with our social media and with other family members, extended family members, friends, social engagements. And a lot of times it drains us when we extend that kind of energy. And I'm not really done processing all of this thought, but I wanted to get it recorded. 
because I feel like it'll be a good segue into a lot of the things I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. So spying on campaigns is okay? Is legal? Is it legal? No. That's what the Durham report is about, right? Yes. And so Clinton and Biden paid well, a firm. Clint, so, so Clinton has... The report said Clinton paid this firm to spy on Trump. That, that has kind of been proven now. Yep. Biden's also paid that same firm. Whether or not... We don't know for what. We for just what? have followed the money, and the money said, came from Biden there to the is, firm. There is more money from Biden than to Cl that firm during the 2020 campaign. What it was used for, no idea, but there is money to that same firm. What is it called when you spy on someone's campaign who's running for president? Like, what what is, like, do you know the legal term for that? No. Do they call it treason? No. The, the, I think, in my opinion... Is it opinion, just, like, illegal, unethical practices that are prohibited? In my opinion, the treasonous part is the Clintons spying and tapping the White House. While he was a president. After he became president, yes. Yeah. That is the treasonous part. The campaign yeah. is... It's still illegal whether or not it's treasonous. I don't think so. But it's shady shit. It's shady at minimum. What does that mean? I don't... The question is whether or not anything's going to be done. And so this includes... Russian something, right? Um, I base I think it basically shows that the Clintons were the ones with ties to Russia, not not Trump. Not Trump. Holy fuck! Holy fuck! Yeah. He said to everybody who denied him, "You'll see. The truth will come out. You'll see." And the truth came out. Yeah. Took took a little time. You know. Now the question is is. Are these going to just be chalked up as conspiracy theories? Even though there's proof. I mean, we know there's been... How many conspiracy theories have been debunked in the last two years by the very people who originally half, termed them conspiracy theories? And half the population still believes they're conspiracy theories. And the other half of the population doesn't trust anything anybody's saying with any authority or power. Exactly. I mean, if MSN or MSNBC and... CNN, I mean, if they don't cover this, it's like it never happened. Well, for a very small fringe minority of people in this country, because let's be honest, nobody's watching them. Well, yeah. But the people that are idolize these people as the prophetic messengers of their savior. But it's the, so religious. But the same thing, Facebook and Twitter, you know, it'd be, it would be interesting to see how much... This information is censored on those um, apps. Um, I have I frequent the Twitter and the Facebook and the TikTok, and I see uh, lots of stuff about the Durham report right now. Am I saying that right, Durham or Durham? Durham, yeah. Durham report. I see, I've it was trending on Twitter hashtag Durham. And I'm, I mean, I realize Twitter is like 10% of the population, but 
your CNN watchers and your liberal media watchers are about 10% of the population too. So we're talking about smaller subsets of people. Nonetheless, um, man, I think there are too many bright lights being shown in the dark spots and we're seeing a lot of shit happen like Trudeau. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. So what happened? So this whole trucker convoy starts really... Did you get that the original reason these people were protesting was because they're against mandates? Yeah. So this is about bodily autonomy, essentially. Mm-hmm. A sovereign individual being. Yep. So here's the funny thing. And this has been covered by some people. And it it's like, let's look at reality. Truck drivers in Canada can drive province to province East to west, unvaccinated, it is not a problem. American truckers can drive from New York to California, unvaccinated, with no problem. Why is there a problem as soon as international boundaries are crossed? Like, why, what does COVID magically, like, just kill everybody that's not vaccinated? I don't know. Like, what happens here? It's weird. And the weirdest thing about it is by Trudeau's own... Remarks like ninety percent of the trucker population or truckers are vaccinated anyway. They're vaccinated anyway. Yeah, there's so many people there who are like, "Here is my booster card." I, I believe in vaccines. This isn't about vaccines. This is about mandates. This is about telling an individual what they have to do oh. and then withholding their livelihood from them if they don't. The other thing was, is there? Their passports, their vaccine passports. Yeah. They've got a QR code, code, and there's this there's a story I'd heard about this one trucker showing up at the at the border, and he was getting ready to present his passport right or on his phone or something like that to show he was vaccinated. He's like, "Oh, we already knew. We we track you." Like, we knew, like, five miles ago that you were coming. Whoa. And so that was part of the protest Okay, so now well. you're tracking your citizens and you've not even told them. Mm-hmm. Do we not have a right to... Pro- I mean, I, I, I don't know the Canadian government, but from what I've heard from people who are telling me what their constitution is and what their rights are, they have a right to privacy, they have a right to personal autonomy... Sovereign individualness. They also have a right to protest. Mm-hmm. They have a right to address their grievances with their government. And their government... Here's the thing I, I cannot stand, right? Is the hypocrisy, which is the Vaseline of political intercourse, is a quote I saw, and I couldn't agree more. But the hypocrisy. Uh, during Black Lives Matter protests in Canada, those who were protesting in solidarity with George Floyd... And the George Floyd protesters, he condoned this. He praised this. He went he, and kneeled with them. He went and kneeled with them and apologized for his whiteness, and probably because he did blackface. And he was in support of their protest. But here's the thing about that protest that differs from the trucker convoy right now. That was a riot. He condoned rioting and violence, and people beating each other up, and calling all white people racist, and calling all cops racist killers. But these truckers are multicultural. 
there is a diversity of truck drivers and, and, and farmers and tow trucks. And now military personnel are joining in. And, and ranchers po- with horses. Ranchers with horses. <laughs> the Amish came in with their wagons, yes. right? And and that's not a joke. They really did. Like every... And, and you've got Hindus there. And you've got Muslims. And you've got Christians. And you've got Jews. And you've got all of the colors of humanity there. And the reason Trudeau is condemning them, here's why. I'll tell you why. Because they're uniting. And what is the greatest threat to any tyrannical leader? Unity amongst the people. When we realize who the real enemy is. When we realize who the monopolizers of force and violence are. The right? elites. The elites and the people that give themselves these prestigious labels, call themselves your leaders, and are so greedy for power and money. That they don't give a fuck about anybody except holding on to that. And that's that's what I see. They and and all of the liberal fucking media did this. They praised the rioting and the burning of cities and called it mostly peaceful protesting. This trucker convoy and the convoys across the world, by the way, have all been peaceful. And have been about uniting the citizens. They bring and they their condemn kids. It. They're bringing babies in strollers, right? Yes. And I'm like... They have bouncy houses. And do you know what I'm saying to myself? <laughs> who the fuck would I be to ridicule any of these people who are doing what I am not, but who are reminding me of what we're capable of and reminding me where the power actually lies? And that's the power in the good. It's concentrated in all of us. But they would rather us focus on these divisionary separatist ideologies convinced that there's Nazi flags being waved around. Yes, because they're calling you a Nazi, Trudeau. Not because they're Nazis. Because their government is turning into a Nazi state. Listen, if Bill Maurer is saying that about Trudeau as well, oh my God. that's saying something. Bill Maurer was the voice of reason last week, wasn't he? His yes. show, The Conversation, Marianne Williamson, oh my God, all of it. It was... People are waking up. People are waking up. And that, I think that was that optimistic ideology you got out of Glenn Beck's book, wasn't it? Like there was some optimism that we'll get through this. Yep. Because we always get through shit like this. Our people do. And I mean humans. Like, and it seems like every 80 to 100 years, there is a great destruction and then a great reconstruction. And by the people, because of the elites mm-hmm. and the money-hungry, greedy, corporate, narcissistic, egocentric power players. I hate them all. But you know what's really funny? At the root of it, I understand them. It's like their moms and dads didn't love them enough. And that's really the truth of it. Like, I hate to humanize these dictators and tyrants. But I can't not. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can see the trauma at the root of their their selfish, selfish grasping for power. I would also like to point out that they're all freaking boomers. Hang on, I'm got. I gotta. Okay, check most see of if, them are, but some of them are a part of the silent generation. I gotta see if Trudeau is a boomer. Oh, he's a boomer. He's Trudeau. such a fucking boomer. He's a Marxist. Communizing sympathizer. No, he's a Gen Xer. What year? 71. Holy fuck. 
He's only nine years younger than us. Ripe old age of 50 and filthy and fascist. Isn't it fabulous? Fascism is coming. But he could be considered, you know, a trailing boomer. Can we call him a traitor Gen Xer? Let's call him that. He is a traitor to the gener- Generation X. I mean, Glenn Beck is technically a boomer. But he's right on the cusp. Is your dad a boomer? Fuck yeah, he is. Yeah, my parents are boomers too. Freaking boomers. Fucking boomers. I mean, but again, I can understand that they are acting out of trauma and deeply held unhealed wounds. And uh, it's sad. But seriously, I have to say, like, I've been so proud of Canada. And, like, my, for a while, I rejected, and I'm not saying that I'm picking it back up, but I rejected this idea of patriotism and any kind of allegiance to my country, right? But lately, I feel reinvigorated by this idea of what the collective can do when we unite and recognize that we're all one. Like, I think I rejected it because of, you know, you know how far off base collectivist ideas can go. But I don't think it's collectivism, though. It, it's unity. I think it's... Because it's not about whether or not we all have the same mind, right? This exactly, hive mind ideology. Exactly. It, it's not that these, these pro, protesters are trying to all be alike it's they're celebrating their differences yeah but they all agreed let us do that right and let me make my own decisions exactly for my body because i have my choice and that's and my family right and let me do what i believe is right for myself don't tell me that you know what's best for me mm-hmm. that's the and that and i mean that just kind of rolls into mind your own fucking business because that's all i want to do Like most people, 99% of the world, they just want to do their own thing and mind their own business. And that's what I think this protest is all about is people rejecting collectivism because the government has been trying to tell us you have to do get this vaccine because it protects your neighbor. It protects your family. Yeah. Who are you to tell me what's best for my family? You don't even know me. Let me decide. Yeah. And that's what I think they're really protesting is the collectivism. Is let us be individuals. Yeah, stop expecting conformity. Yes. Who are you to tell me what's best? Remind you of anyone you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see how this all stems into mommy and daddy issues? <laughs> Fucking and boomers. Bad parenting and we're not bad parenting, just really unconscious and unrealistic parenting, right? And I, I have said this before, so much of parenting that I see other people exhibit is is really based on, like, democratic ideals, but more to dictatorship ideals. And that's not healthy for raising and developing relationships with children, I actually disagree with you a little bit on that. I think that generation of parenting is about being right. Ooh, the right generation. I know what's best for you. Yeah, and I'm right. And I'm right. Yeah, do not contradict me. My mom used to say that to me all the time. Don't you dare contradict me. Yeah. Why? Because you might not be right. Yeah. 
That's yeah. exactly right. That's what's all. Look at all the politicians. Oh, I know. They all try to tell us they know what's best for us. If you don't vote for me, you're not black. Exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> if you disagree, you're against science. Yeah, if you disagree, it's because you're racist. Yeah. If you don't do this, it's because you're transphobic. If you don't do this, it's because you don't care about your neighbor. If you don't do this, it's because you want grandma to die. They gaslight us. Yeah. The government's gaslighters. That's all they do is gaslight us. They tell us we're stupid. We can't understand what goes on in their grand world. We would never understand things. So we don't have to explain it to you. You haven't seen the real world. Right. But they're the ones living in bubbles and protected glass houses with security agents and fucking a slush fund to no end. That they probably didn't even build. No. You didn't build that. You didn't build that. We built that. The government built everything, don't you know? I think um, that, yeah, they're so far removed from reality. But can we talk about what else is the Super Bowl? I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. But the whole idea of feasts and circus to keep them distracted so they will never revolt is very heavy on my mind. Whenever I think about the hype and hoopla and the disgusting amounts of money that are spent on things that mean absolutely nothing and do absolutely nothing to benefit anybody. So I actually... Disagree. I disagree with you just a little bit. Uh, up until... In defense of your sports games and how they pull at your heartstrings? Not, no, <laughs> not just that. But uh, So up until a couple of years ago... and. Basically, up until Kaepernick kneeled, okay? And I'm not trying to disregard him. I, I get why he did it. Yeah. I understand. I don't take offense to it. No. Yeah. And I'm a veteran, so I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. But up until that point, I think that was still one of the few things that could unite people. Yeah, you had your your rivalries between who's going to win. But it was still something that people had pride in and you could go talk to somebody across the aisle and be nice to them, you know, across the political spectrum. And then Kaepernick happened. And I think if the, I think the media played a huge part in that in using that to divide people more. And do you want to know what? That was a moment missed to unite us all. Mm -hmm. Because that was a really easy thing to unite around. The idea that we shouldn't be okay with cops indiscriminately or discriminately just murdering people. We shouldn't be okay with cops having that much power. We shouldn't be okay with cops having that lack of willpower. And that could have been a moment for us to just go, hey, you know what? Let's re-examine how the police do things. And let's have a conversation about how too many people are dying at the hands of police officers. And what can we do about it? Oh my gosh, that could have been a great conversation. But I think you're right. One side of the media capitulated one characterization of this. 
and the other side did something completely extremely opposite and it was a force to divide people and there had to be choices made about how you felt about something and what your opinion was about it and whether or not your opinion was backed by belief and also if it demonstrated what political ideologies you have and now that tells me which monsters you support and so I have a reason to hate you. Really. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was used to divide us. But those powers and entities need us divided. Mm-hmm. What, what was Glenn Beck telling you, honey? I want to know more about this book that you read. What was it called? The Great Reset by Glenn Beck. I can't pull up the thing. Okay, give me the synopsis, honey. Let's do a book review. I'm horrible at these. But I, just tell like, me about it. Like what? It's ba- the Great Reset is the premise that the elites in the world are trying to reset the entire world into essentially a one-world government of fascism, where the concentrated power yeah, is in the hands of politicians, the, f- the government, and the elite. Yes, exactly. And and what has already been put in place. And the steps that are currently being taken to transition us to that. Uh, there's there's speculation that that's what COVID was about. It was never about a pandemic. It was about trying to push us towards the Great Reset. Transitioning us to that. I mean, if you've ever heard of ESG scores, and I'm not going to get into the details of this. I would recommend you look into them yourself. But... ESG scores and modern monetary theory. That's the goal of, of resetting society. I mean, it's all under the guise of environmentalism and social equality and, and things like that. But it's really about power and control. It's about social engineering to produce a world that these people want. Yes. And that does include... And I just want to say for the record, for the listeners... This has been repeatedly discussed at the Davos conventions that yep. take place every year. In the World Economic and Forum. In the World Economic Forum. And there was one recently held. And all of the agenda setting conventions that take place, this is not something that people are just speculating about. It is out there. I have watched so many Davos presentations, and it's disgusting. And the one that... Donald Trump was at was actually really phenomenal. He called everybody out. He like pointed his finger at all their elitist snobbery and their godlike desires and dreams to transform by social engineering, by fear-inducing, fear-mongering programming to develop the world that they want. And that includes getting rid of a lot of people. Bill Gates has talked about this countless times. It's on a TED Talk on YouTube. And I remember watching it years and years ago going, this guy's dirty and Fauci and all the bullshit. But anyway, the book that I'm reading, COVID Operation, shows the same information, broadcasts the entire timeline of all of the planning behind this pandemic. And I mean, the fact that a Moderna CEO or top shareholder just dumped, what, $400 million in stock caused the entire company to lose 150 billion or something in shares. That tells me something big is happening. And I think we're seeing that play out. More and more people are talking about 
all of this backdoor information that's being released. There's whistleblowers. Doctors are finally doing what they were supposed to do in the first place and are starting to speak out. And so I think this whole thing is unfolding, but, I mean, I think there's going to be suffering. Yeah, I agree with you. This, it's so embedded, and there's so much money that is pushing to make all of this happen. I think there's going to be some pain involved in this, because I, that's going to be tough to overcome. Well, that's how they hurt us. They hit us financially. And I mean, going back to Trudeau for just a minute, they did that to the trucker convoy, right? They seized money from the GoFundMe. It raised like 9 or $10 million. The government seized it. Then they went to a different crowdfunding website. Give, they, send, go. Give, send, go. Give, send, go said, fuck you. You ain't taking shit from us. But then they were just hacked. So then they were hacked. But on top of that, Trudeau just threatened to seize all of their corporate and business funds to suspend their insurance and to physically remove their property from them all because they're protesting and i'm like you know it would be really easy trudeau if you would just comply we're in this together like isn't that what you were telling us and The part that's frustrating the most about him is he won't even talk to him. No, he refuses to talk to him. Jordan Peterson sent someone down there to talk to him. Or was it Jordan Peterson that talked to truckers? I don't know. He just had a recent episode. I haven't seen it yet. Saw the tweet. But yeah, he won't talk to them. Yeah. He just calls them racist, bigot, white supremacists. That's not how you should speak to your your citizens. I saw a meme. It was that... a Muslim man. <laughs> oh, holding, holding a piece of paper. Yeah, and it's like even the white supremacists are diversifying. <laughs> yeah, because did it and like what? There was somebody there. I watched. I watched this like live video, and she was like, "I just want to know, aren't you all white supremacists?" And this black dude gets up on stage and he's like, "Uh, yeah, I'm a white supremacist, I guess. Is that because I'm a protester?" Is that because I'm a truck driver? And she was just like, uh, 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 okay, thank you. Like, shocked. You know? Yeah. And it's like, god damn, you can't just throw labels like this. Yeah. They're the worst white supremacists in the world. Oh, they totally are. <laughs> but, like, I mean, that's the thing, right? And so, like... Being all diversified. The the way people just throw words around now, it's like they're losing their meaning. Oh, oh I'm a racist. Wow. You tried to make a character deduction about me, and you have n- no fucking information about me. You don't see how ignorant that was, because if the tables were turned and I did that to you, you damn well right, you'd think it was ignorant too. Like, why are people embracing ignorance, rather than trying to embrace understanding by having a conversation? Yeah. And asking these people, what do they want? I don't even, like, dummy, they've made it pretty fucking clear what they want. They want you to end the goddamn mandate. They want you to stop telling them what's right for them. Yep. And how about you stop telling the rest of the world what's right for them, United States and Canada and NATO? Because it's the fucking boomers. They're, it's all about them being right. You're right. The boomer generation is the right generation. I gotta be right generation. Why is that? The greatest generation produced the worst generation. <laughs> what's the greatest generation? World War II generation. The silent generation. They produced the worst generation. They were all operating out of trauma and fear and anxiety and panic for the next Great Depression. Yeah, and they didn't want their kids 
to go through what they went through. So they indoctrinated them with Hitlerism? <laughs> I mean, we did bring Nazi soldiers over and put them in our government, so I guess that makes sense. No, they created an entitled generation. You think the boomers are the entitled generation? I do. Boomers would say the millennials are the entitled generation. So I was listening to Glenn Beck one day, and for those of you who don't know, I'm a... I listen to him. I drive trucks, so I listen to his podcast every day. Anyway, he went on this rampage about the boomers. And technically, he's a boomer, but he identifies more with Gen X. If you can call your self-reflection out in other people, more power to you. He went on about how spoiled and entitled the boomer generation is. And he basically said, I am tired of fixing the problems you created. Amen. And how I could relate to that. Oh, my God. In the last 11 years on the farm especially. Yes. Yeah. How I could relate to that. And, and then he went on to say how much... Glenn Beck went on to say. Glenn Beck went on to say how much we get blamed for it. Jax? Gen X. And the Millennials. And the Millennials. Yeah. And he was speaking to Millennials. He's like, I feel for you. I don't think you're the generation that's lazy. Mm -mm. He's like, you just, you grew up differently. You had technology. You're still brilliant. You're still, you still learned a lot. You still have work ethic. It's just different than what we grew up with. They had additional security, additional comforts. That doesn't mean that every millennial didn't have suffering or oppression or trauma or hardship. But when you compare the generation, I think about that all the time now with the way that we can sometimes not think a lot about the money that we spend on our children. Because my whole life, I grew up hearing how expensive I was, how much I cost, how much I drained from my parents, and how hard life was going to be, and how nobody's going to be there for you, so you better fucking learn how to take care of yourself, and I ain't going to fucking help you, because nobody fucking helped me, and I think we learned from that, especially the Gen X, and how dehumanizing, demoralizing, and brutal of an upbringing that was. To be constantly reminded what cost you were, what inconvenience you were. And in turn, we wanted to protect our children from that kind of verbal assault on their existence. And, I mean, Jonathan Haidt has written about this, right? The coddling of America. Millennials are the most coddled generation the helicopter parents, the cheerleader parents, right? And so it doesn't mean that that makes something wrong with that generation. It's just they really did have more comfort and protection. But that in its own right... I think the boomers are jealous of that, really. I think that's what all that projecting and scapegoating is about. Maybe. Calling them lazy and entitled when, in fact... You're entitled. And maybe you were just filled with contempt because you had to be so laborious. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying the boomer generation was lazy. I mean... No. They weren't, but 
I mean, they do. They they are entitled. I think we should stop castigating generations with generalizations. Like we probably should. And and that's why I try to avoid generalizations, unless they're positive. I guess I like positive generalizations. But the millennials aren't lazier. They just don't have to be as laborious. Technology has advanced. Work smarter, not harder. Right, and that is. I mean, that's a tantamount fucking, like, life hack. Yeah, that's what we should all be going for. Is, I mean, really, when you hit that kind of consciousness opening, you realize that this, this chasing of productivity and labor as some kind of, like, status to show off to other people doesn't really fucking matter. And in the end, it drains you of fucking energy and kind of makes you resent a lot of things. So, I mean, just going back, the boomers resent the millennials because the millennials grew up in an era where they had more technological advancements where they didn't have to work as hard. And Gen X gets blamed for all of it. I mean, eventually we'll be the silent generation that is always scapegoated too, so. I mean, because honestly, the boomers friggin' blame Gen X because we're, I don't know what the fuck we are. And then we also get blamed for we raising... We don't know what the fuck we are. And then we also get blamed for raising the millennials. Yeah. And Gen Z, and, or Gen yeah. Y and Gen Z. Yeah. 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 Fuck. We're fucked either way, really. I mean, I guess as long as we're getting fucked, in the end, it might be worth it. I guess. Please, Sam, may I have another? All right, what else are we supposed to talk about that we can get bring back into politics? That seems like we're, <laughs> we're doing I don't. Tonight. Okay, but so, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I've trying to insert little psychological nuggets into a lot of the things we're talking about so we can humanize the individuals that we are kind of judging, right? Yeah. I mean, I did this earlier with Kanye. Did you do another TikTok that I didn't watch? Oh, honey, I did like four TikToks. Fuck, five, I, I did a one. few. Yeah, I, I know. One. I know. I did like four after that. Oh, fuck, I got it. Kanye. One. I just want to talk about this briefly. Only because I want to give people another fucking example on how you can humanize even, you know, really disgusting behavior. So Kanye is going on a tirade on the Instagram. And over the last week or so, he's kind of lost his mind and, and tweeted and in, not tweeted, put shit out on Instagram and TikTok. And a lot of people are perplexed. He's going through this divorce with Kim. He's not seeing his kids. He's said he's got bipolar disorder, but he's off his meds. He said that on Joe Rogan a couple of years ago. Anyway, a lot of people are saying he's abusive and he needs to be condemned and there's something wrong with him and he's going to kill Kim. These are valid concerns because, I mean, he's acting really chaotic and manic. But I think in this, uh, you can layer this for everybody when you really want to humanize someone and understand why they're so fucking crazy. Because, I mean, Lord knows you do this for me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> his mom isn't around. He has been distanced by his friends. His family is cut off from him. He doesn't get to see his children. He is bipolar. He's off his meds. He's feeling isolated and rejected and excluded. He doesn't feel like he has anyone. He feels like he has nothing left to lose. I have been in that dark spot many times. And so you can rationalize vindictive, violent, aggressive, abusive behavior because you feel like you give no fucks. And so like, 
I just would say rather than us just judging and disregarding somebody based on one behavior and action and attributing it to their entire character, we should understand that trauma is at the root of like all of our bullshit, always. And until we heal it, we're going to keep repeating it in some form. And unless someone is willing to match you intimately on that same energy level, even if it is in, you know, fear, you can't pull somebody out from that. Where are we going to wrap around from that Kanye conversation? Oh, this is your podcast. Fuck you. Well, it is. Okay, so the Super Bowl hypocrisy. I don't feel like we unpacked a lot, and I want to go back to it. Just in hopes, like, I want to encourage people to look beyond superficial bullshit. But there is so much hypocrisy surrounding the Super Bowl when you think about the mandates that exist in the same state where it was held, in California. And I think about all the Instagram posts and the tweets and the selfies from celebrities who told us to mask up and social distance and stay home and save lives and get vaccinated if you care about grandma, who were all at the Super Bowl with no masks on, where tickets range from $6,000 to $100,000 in a city with the second highest homelessness population in the United States. And I mean, a lot of people were asking this question, and I did too. I was like, I thought everyone was done with the NFL. I thought the NFL was either too racist because they don't have enough black coaches and they exploit black athletes, or because it's become too political because they don't like protests, going back to Kaepernick. I know that split a lot of people. And then this idea that if you didn't... like the Super Bowl halftime show, now you're a racist and people are fighting over that. And I'm like, I thought nobody gave a shit about what celebrities thought. I thought you were done with the NFL. I thought we looked at obvious hypocrisy and tried to reject participating in it. What happened? So I used to think politics was right versus left. And then I evolved to where I thought it was socialism versus a republic. Mm -hmm. And now I am at it's elite versus the 99.8%. And what I've come to discover is the elites are not even hiding that anymore. It's like they're boasting about their status. Rules for thee, but not for me. And I think that's really where people are starting to question things. And starting to see the Hunger Games-ness of it all? Yes. Holy fuck! Uh, Yes. In my arguments in my head last night as I was driving truck, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's some Hunger Games shit. Yes. And they're not even hiding it anymore. No. It's It's open. And going back to Glenn Beck's book, The Great Reset, they're not hiding what they're trying to do. No. And... Do you want to know why they don't need to? Do you want to know why they don't need to? 
Because the media is going to spin it in a positive light. Not only that. Not only that. Mm-mm. Okay, what, what, Operation Mockingbird? Mockingbird? Okay. And MK Ultra. These were originally conspiracy theories that are now real programs that the government has directed. So there are media plants. There are people that can, can spin the stories and influence millions of people. But it's not only that, it's psychological, right? All of the psychological information that we have, all of the psychology community, the government has that same information. And more. And way more. They pick and choose what's released to us and when. Mm-hmm. That's why there's the dissertation process. That's why there's the academic process, the peer-reviewed studies when it comes to data and scientific gathering. They know that most of us can be so easily distracted with spectacle or fear that we'll forget what they said two seconds ago. I mean, TikTok is already trying to pu- push these seven-second videos, so they can shorten our, t- our attention spans. And if our attention spans are shortened, we're not t- paying attention. Our awareness has been completely dissolved, and we are just latched into a system, being programmed, downloading all the bullshit, and we can be easily distracted. We can be taken from angry to entertained instantly, And no one will be the wiser. And every year, they'll be more and more shocked because they've been so distracted that they haven't retained anything that they should have retained to use to protect themselves and to prepare. It's annoying. But they know that. I don't have anything to add to that. That was brilliant. I'm brilliant. (laughs) I've gone down so many fucking rabbit holes. But I know things. So, freedom is a new alt-right extremist word. And really talking about terrorism. So, freedom is slavery and freedom is terrorism. And holy shit, some 1984 shit is going on. I liked your TikTok today. My TikTok? (laughs) Yeah. Please refer to Danielle Kingstrom's TikTok. Oh, yeah. So I was uh, I was rereading 1984 today by George Orwell. Did you say what are are you reading that or something? And I said, oh, I'm just checking the forecast. <laughs> What's next? Like what? Um, in the forecast, the forecast calls for, calls for fascism, people. That's what's coming, and it's just. Mm. War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, and I don't know if you recall what Biden said, but inflation is a great asset, and Trudeau is suggesting that protest is terrorism. So that's where we're at right now with doublespeak analogy. I'm so confused. I can't even keep up with the definitions. Just when I think I get on to the right one, it changes again. Peaceful protest is the new terrorism. And rioting is, is mostly peaceful. I mean, and they can tell us anything. 
I thought I saved something. Well, did you? <sighs> I don't think I did. Oh. <laughs> you did save something. <laughs> video. That video, my love. Was it a good one? It was good. Oh. Um. <laughs> Feeling some tingles? Um, so I'm going <laughs> to stop it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, um, no, so, uh, Joe Rogan and censorship and podcasts. That's one thing I wanted to talk about because I am a podcaster after all, and they're coming for us. And so just briefly, I just want to like, kind of like laugh and ridicule and, uh, make fun of all of the fucktards and twat waffles that demanded Spotify censor Joe Rogan because that's stupid. I love that Spotify was willing to step up and say we're not going to censor him because they believe in free speech. I still feel like he's being censored. We just don't know about it. I have to ask a question before I continue on here. If you had a $100 million contract on the line, would you not give a little bit? I would. Because you want to eat. Yep, I would. Right? I, I completely understand it. I lived it. Yeah, yeah. I lived it. Yeah. Sometimes we all make sacrifices to the sovereign. Exactly. So, then that's why I feel like he is being censored a little bit. I feel like there was a conversation had between these folks. There though. was. I, I don't guarantee think it. this was compulsory. I don't nope. think this was uh, ultimatums. I think there was a conversation had. And I think that the beauty of it all is whatever happened and whatever decisions were made, I hope that they were made from individual autonomy. Now, the one thing I will say is Joe Rogan also had another $100 million offer on the table. Right. That being said, I cannot relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't relate to even having one offer like that on the table. And so judging it is just not necessary. But what I'm saying is I, in my situation, I did not have another offer on the table. Yeah. So I... That being said, though, you got two offers on the table. Exactly. You know, I mean, I get you don't want to burn a bridge, but at the same point in time, you know, your podcast was built on... What it was built on, open conversation, depending upon the conversation that was had with Spotify, and I'm not, wasn't privy to that information, so I can't judge, but yeah. I would definitely keep that other offer in the back of my head as that conversation was going on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. If the goalposts start moving and, and the rules start changing and mm -hmm. yeah, you would want to definitely have a plan B and plan out a synopsis, as you would as a Piscean. Is Joe Rogan a Piscean? I don't know. I'm just, I know you are. I am. And, and I always have a backup plan or an exit strategy. Yeah. That's good. But, you know, the thing about podcasting and why it's coming under fire is because it is like the least regulated and least centralized form of media right now. We don't um. really fall into a category. And you do have to adhere to the terms and conditions of your host site, definitely. I mean, I guess if they create surveillance teams on all of the individual podcast platforms to start, you know, listening to every podcast, 
and want to make decisions there, then you have choices to make for yourself. But um, this thing, I, I think this isn't about Joe Rogan. No, it's not. It's, it's about... Controlling information. It's about controlling information. And yep. that is dangerous. Yep. It's, the speech which needs to be protected most is the one that you don't agree with. Right. And they, the government is acting like they know what's best and suggesting that they're just trying to prevent you from hearing things that may harm you. Right? And that's, that, that has been the constant threat for the last two years. Like, you will harm other people if you leave your house. And you will harm other people if you don't get vaccinated. And you will harm other people if you don't wear a mask. And them juxtaposing this with the idea that people are saying that I don't need to do this or this or this because of freedom and therefore freedom is now this dangerous word and means I want permission to harm everybody. I think the biggest complaint is I want to be able to choose for myself. Right. Dr. Fauci has never treated a COVID patient. He's never treated any patient ever in his life. And you want me to take his word for things? No. Seems a bit conspiratorial. It does. So do all of the people connected to the pharmacy, the, the big pharmacy groups. Everybody's connected to them, including the government. I mean, the government bought basically bought shares of their vaccines, and that's why they want us to take them. No, they didn't buy shares. They okay, are on the some politicians have bought and sold shares yes. through their spouses. Yes, that is true. The government is on the patent for the vaccine. I think the government stands to profit from this. Ah, uh, I don't. So here's the part. Here's the part that. What is what's coming out though? The government's been fucking sponsoring and paying for shit and trying to benefit, and that is like totally against what they stand okay, for. Okay, so that doesn't even make sense though. Fine. The reason being is the government is paying for all the vaccines. So how can the government profit from something that they're paying for anyway? Well, if you have all of your states set up on a government medical program or health care program, they're selling it to clinics and hospitals, are they not? No, the government's paying for 100% of the vaccines. The government is subsidizing. That's the Clinics that and hospitals don't have to pay for these at all? No. Nobody's paying for these. No, insurance doesn't cover vaccines. The government is paying for the vaccines. The clinics themselves can't administer the vaccines. That's why it's being done in pharmacies. <gasps> the government is paying for the vaccines. So the government is not profiting from this. Now, is Dr. Fauci profiting from this? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. But the government itself is not profiting. Or if it... No, it's not profiting because the government's paying 100% of the vaccine and maybe they're getting 40% of it back. That doesn't even make sense. It's, it's not, it, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure. The only th The thing, government made the pharmaceutical companies rich. Yes. And I think it's about power. That's the only logical conclusion that makes sense to me. It's just, it, it has nothing to do with COVID. It's about power. But who gave the government permission to buy prescription drugs for the American people? Well, it's been done forever. I mean, you, you look at it... The so then they have this product that they've bought and paid for, and they're like, well, we bought the product, you're using it. And that's why they've been pushing it. Maybe. It, I, I don't think it has anything to do with COVID. 
I really don't. I don't. I don't think that. I just don't think it has anything to do with COVID. I think it's about something else. I don't know what. Great reset, maybe. It could be about. I don't know. But Jesus. it's not about COVID. COVID. No, it's not. This this book I'm reading, COVID Operation, which I've done three parts. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not about COVID. It's about a new world order, which just a year ago was a conspiracy theory. Even though they've been throwing that term around for a decade, at least. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a whole nother podcast, though. Oh, I mean, I'll get into it because I'm going to be reading more of the COVID operation. But this is the 100th episode, and I wanted to share it with you, my love. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I feel like I wish we could end this on a positive note. Not it. Not it? <laughs> what do you got up on I the just computer? pulled up ESG in Google, and BlackRock popped up. Yes. I, I was actually Googling ESG scores for different companies the other night. and Do we have an ESG score? Uh, no, I couldn't. I didn't look into that. I was looking at, like, publicly. Most big companies have ESG scores. And that stands for their Environmental, Social, and Governance Rating. And so the ESG scores is essentially going to take the place of your credit score. That's, that's the premise. It's investors are increasingly implying these non-financial factors as part of their analysis process to identify material risk and growth opportunity. That's scary. Social credit system. Yeah, it's basically a social governance and environmental credit system. So I can't help but wonder if on a social media app, if you say negative things about your governance or government. Could that impact? Exactly. So that's why corporate entities are always trying to align themselves with the bullshit narratives of political propaganda. Yep. And Fuck. And so the other thing is it goes upstream and downstream. So if you do business with someone above, if you sell product or buy product from a company with a with a high ESG score. It cannot be yours. Yeah, it, it can affect your ESG score. But if you buy from a company with a low ESG... No, so in ESG scores, high is bad. Oh. Low is good. Gotcha. Because it assesses the amount of risk you are. So if you have a high ESG score, you have a high amount of risk. I mean, so they can monitor everything you purchase. They can Not monitor... Yet. Not yet. But I bet you that's where they're going. They're going to they're gonna monitor what, what you purchase. They're going to monitor how much energy you consume. They're going to monitor what websites you fucking go to. They're going to monitor how you post on social media. So the, the possibilities are if they go to a digital dollar, they get rid of our currency as we know it and go to a digital Bitcoin. You know, not Bitcoin, but a, a U.S cryptocurrency the theory is is they can then decide what you can purchase your credit limit no what you purchase what you purchase if you are not an essential employee you don't get to buy gas today how do you control the price of gas you can control demand 
You can control the drivers. Who's driving? You can control how much is sold. Meat. You can control how much people buy. You can therefore then control the price. That's what modern monetary theory presents. It doesn't matter how much money we spend if we can control what, how you spend it. And then they use taxes as a form of discouraging where that money goes. Because they don't need the money, they just print it. So they're just trying to tell you what's right for how you spend your money because they know best. Like a fucking exactly. boomer ass parent. Exactly. God damn, I hate the government. Yeah, you, you'll get outraged by reading that book. That's <sighs> why I didn't want to read this COVID operation book. <laughs> I get outraged and then I get really sad and I get really like pessimistic and hopeless and... You know, I gotta pull myself out of a funk because, like, that's a really heavy fucking reality to hold. You know, when I was in Iraq, we had this our doc. He uh, he was he hung out with us admin guys, and uh, he had a saying. It was he called it "embrace the suck," <laughs> and he would say that anytime we were down in Iraq, he would say "embrace the suck." But there's a lot of truth to that crappy things happen and that's okay just embrace it we've got you and me we got loved ones around us we got each other i know embrace the shit that's going on you can't change it i know and the reality is is we don't have a lot of suck going on exactly what do we have what kind of issues do we have Corey? we have cat shit yeah we have cat shit Sometimes when you get mad at me, <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring this up. Okay. Sometimes when you get mad at me, I'm like, really? That's what you're complaining about. That's why you're so angry. Do you realize how minor in the grand scheme of things that is? And I get it's overwhelming. It's, it's not. What it is is activating. It is a trigger. Okay, so what, the cat shit, right? Maybe that was one of the ridiculous things I got upset about that I thought I was so overwhelmed by. It wasn't that. What it activates in me is evidence that I don't have control over my household. Evidence that I am failing at keeping up with all of my responsibilities. Evidence that I'm not doing it right. That I haven't figured it out. That I am just not doing this right. Like, why can't I get my fucking cats to figure out? Why can't I get my kids to help me out? Da-da-da-da-da. It's just, it, it activates this idea that I'm failing at something. And that decimates me sometimes. Sometimes I look at the chaos in astonishment of how beautiful it is. Mm. Chaos is beautiful. I can have all these great plans, and the one thing I know about my great plans is they're all going to go to shit. They're just going to be interrupted <laughs> by chaos. Exactly. Chaos always interrupts. Yeah, and yeah. that's okay. Because I don't look at my plans as definitive. I just look at it at a gen- as a general direction. Yeah. But what always follows chaos? Order. Order. So, no matter whenever there's chaos, order will soon follow. You know, that's one thing you give me a hard time about, about thinking about the future so much and having everything planned out. No, I don't have... I Yeah, sure, I got plans in my head, but I know they ain't going to go the way I want them to. I just want us to go 
generally west. And there might be some norths and some souths in there, but generally I want us to go west. <laughs> Why west? That just happened to be the direction I could look out the window. Okay. You want to go that way. <laughs> I want to go that way. Forward. Sometimes, yeah, you got to go back. Sometimes there's a freaking tree in front of you, so you got to go to the left a little Sometimes bit. Sometimes you go around the block five times. Yeah. Until you're like, oh, I but just am going in circles. I generally want to go that way. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. No, I get it. I understand why you do it that way. I think I probably do it similarly, but I don't know. You want to go around the block five times first. <laughs> I don't want to. I think I just take too many rights when I should take a left, you know? Like, I don't know. Until I've familiarized myself with my surroundings, I don't want to go further. And that makes me a masochist to some degree. fear of the unknown. Yeah. I want to know what I know first before I go explore what I don't know. And it... It does get overwhelming. And fuck, I know. I know that I react over the silliest, most ridiculous things. Like, I mean, the cat shit thing, too. I recognize that. Like, I, I cried about cat shit for hours. And I came to this conclusion where I was like, is that what it was about? Is that your biggest fucking problem right now? You drama queen? But, I mean, this goes back to this unconscious addiction we have with drama. When there's not drama playing out in our lives... We're bored, and we don't know how to just embrace being content with what we have. We're just always seeking something to, like, interrupt us. We're always looking for the chaos, and then we're, like, never prepared when it happens, which is so silly. But I I, I recognize that about myself. I think that's just a, a, a human nature thing. We do that subconsciously. Now, that being said, I'm glad you can talk to me about that. I would much rather you call and tell me that you're upset about cat shit <laughs> than call and yell at me for something stupid that I had absolutely no control over and I wasn't even there for. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy you did that. Yeah, I get... There's sometimes where I get overwhelmed by the stupidest shit. The one thing I work very, very hard at doing is to not take that out on anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a very healthy habit that you have, actually. You know, I might get quiet. I might keep to myself. I might be very disconnected. But I I certainly don't want to overreact to somebody else. Because it's not their fault. Yeah. Man, I wish my mom had that mindset when I was a kid. It would have prevented me from imitating it for so long. Ah, you can't blame her. You're an adult. You can choose. You can choose to become self-aware of all of the programs that are no longer serving you. I know. So, I'm, I'm going to call you out a little bit on that. Being self-aware, I, I think, is almost bullshit. Because knowing that you're doing wrong is one thing. It, okay, but when we really think about it, uh, most times we're not operating in consciousness or awareness That's in the true. present moment. We are, we're mostly on autopilot. Yeah. And self-awareness is a practice, right? And we're always, always a work in progress on this. You have to be very far removed from lots of distractions to really be fully present. 
in that mindful. I mean, I know this when meditation. That's why I do like erotic staging, right? And that's why I remove distractions before we get ready to have sex. That's you have to remove distractions or separate yourself from distractions to be that aware. I'm not justifying why I'm not. I recognize that. But it's you have to wake up every morning and step into a conscious program rather than your autopilot program. And I mean, we reset every night. That's hard to do. Yeah. And so we're just, we always have to just be working on it. I don't like when you wake up every morning, like you're just fucking pissed at the world and you're silent and you're like, <laughs> you know, but it's your program, right? And you're not like thinking about it every morning when you wake up. Yeah. And I'm not like mad. I'm not, I'm not anything. I'm just trying to. Oh, I know, Get but conscious. you give off, like, no vibes in the morning, and it's like your energy is just non-existent, and I read the kids' faces, too. Like, every morning, we're like, what kind of mood is he in right now? So, and I know, it's ridiculous, because you're usually in a hunky-dory mood. Yeah. But see, the difference is, when I get out of bed in the morning, six out of the seven days of the week, I remind myself to wake up and say things like I am waking up in my best fucking timeline today I'm going to embrace today I am going to be grateful for everything today like I have to give myself affirmations to seduce myself out of my fucking slumber and to be mindful to not go downstairs with any kind of mood or feeling a kind of way so one thing I noticed that started happening a couple of weeks ago, and it might have something to do with this about me. Aiden, all of a sudden, just one day, started coming up to me, saying good morning, and he gives me a hug. Every morning when I get up now. He didn't used to do that. It changed, I don't know, two weeks, a month ago, maybe it was longer ago than that. But I noticed it one day, where he all of a sudden just started... I always said good morning when I come downstairs... But then all of a sudden one morning he just started giving good morning and he gets up from what he's doing and comes and gives me a hug. Do you know they all do that for me when I get up every morning? Ainsley comes out of her room, Aiden comes upstairs, Avery comes upstairs, and Aiden comes and they all take turns and they all say good morning and give me a hug and a kiss every single morning. That's well, Aiden's the only one who does it. For that me. is I initiated that. I made it a part of and I think I I started doing this when I was working with Jamal I wanted to wake up grateful every day right that was part of something I was working on to wake up with gratitude and I when Lillian and Julian were living there too I would wake up and I would go and I would give them a kiss and a hug and say good morning to them and they do that every morning so I, you know because I come on what like well except the mornings I wake up before them yeah. Like before Avery or Ainsley. But they all do that. So I wonder if it just registered in his head that he wasn't doing that with you. Yeah. And now he started. Because yeah. he runs to me every morning. Good oh, morning, mommy. Yep. And a hug and a kiss. Yeah. Yeah, he does that to me too now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I love that he, like, incorporated that rather mm -hmm. than us incorporating a pattern for him. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that is uh, that is my best part of my day. They do that with me every morning. And then I go turn the coffee pot on. And then I stand there and chit-chat with them before I go have my coffee. 
All right. Well, I think uh, that left us on a positive note. And now it's uh, so much doom and gloom. And uh, Armageddon. <laughs> End of times. Revelation. I think there there's hope. So, like, if we focus on the internal things, if we focus on what really matters. I agree. And we just kind of have a general attitude of, fuck fascism. That's true. And fight for freedom. Nonviolently, please. Yes.